The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. I first heard about Jesus when I was in high school in Edmonds, Washington, doing Young Life. Woo! I heard one small woo for Edmonds. Woo! Great. Heard about Jesus there, got to know him, and then I went to school here at UW. Went through a lot of just tough times in my faith journey, but it was here that I really learned how to rely on Jesus, build a foundation for my faith. So I love Young Life. I love the inn. And they come together. And so I'm so happy to be here tonight. So thank you all for having me. Um, if you weren't able to join us last week, Carly kicked off a new series for us called At the Heart of It All. And it's, so it's in this season of Lent leading up to Easter, we're talking about who Jesus is, why he came, what the purpose of his life was. And something I took away from Carly last week was that the creator, God, came to be like his creation. And the realness of him, he had fingertips and he had toes. He scraped his knees, just like us. And continuing off that, I'm going to be talking about why Jesus had to come, why he came into our broken and hopeless world, and how hopeless we are without him. And then in the weeks to come, up until spring break or Easter, you're going to hear more about why his life matters to us and why we should care about his life. Um, so that's tonight. We're going to talk more about why Jesus came. But before we do that, I think it's wise to pray. So would you all pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you are good. I thank you for everyone in this room, and I pray that we would have open hearts to reflect tonight and to remember you, to remember why you came. Jesus, I pray that we would be able to hear your truth and the reality of what you mean to us, and I pray that you would be with me, giving me your words tonight, that it would be you speaking and not me. Um, let your truth reign in this place, Jesus. We thank you, and we love you. And it's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Cool. So, in talking about why Jesus came, we're going to be talking about the S word, sin. Sin, everybody. Um, so, before we get talking about that, though, I want to kind of level the playing field a little bit and just talk about, I think I've come up with something that I think frustrates all of us and gets all of us kind of angry. And that is... Computers and passwords. When they like, when you have to make up 16 different passwords because you have to have a capital letter, a lowercase letter, it can't be your own name or your last name or any other facts about you. It has to be completely random facts. That why would you remember them? And it is so frustrating to me every time when I go to log in and that that sign comes up that says sorry, like nope, <laughs> not again. <laughs> And you just have to like go through it again and again. And I know, I know that we all experience this because raise your hand if you only want to use one password for everything. Me. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. I can't do it because <laughs> they don't let me. So it is frustrating <laughs> to say the least. And I don't know. Maybe at one point they'll make you start like, you have to like do blood taps or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But. <laughs> We all, 
point is, I think we all experience a little bit of that frustration, and I think we can all agree that there's things like that, whether it's that specifically, but there's things like that that just get to us, that are frustrating, that annoy us, and that cause this, like, angsty feeling within us. Um, And in the grand scheme of life, I think that those things are pretty trivial, but I know that we also all experience a lot of deeper deeper things. Um, There's a lot of hard stuff and a lot of bigger mistakes that we see or we experience, and those are things that we're not going to, like, laugh about or joke about because they hurt. They hurt us, and they hurt people around us. Um, we've, we've messed up, and we've experienced things that really hurt. And Jesus knows about these things. He knows about us. He knows the big things that frustrate us. He knows the little things that frustrate us and the big and small things in our lives. And he's not afraid to confront them. And so tonight, we are going to look at a piece of scripture where Jesus confronts a man in his sin. But more importantly, we're going to look at how he confronts him. So we're going to be reading from Mark 2, chapters 1 through 12, and you guys can follow along on the screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That is a weighty statement. There's a lot packed into that statement alone for us to process. And so we're going to take a few steps back to kind of gain some perspective on it. So taking a few steps back all the way to creation. (laughs) So a lot of steps back. (laughs) But (laughs) we are going to start there. Um, Remember, the question on the table is why Jesus came. That's what we're looking at tonight. So to begin, there is shalom. We just finished a series here at the inn where the topic was the peace of God, and shalom is a Hebrew word that is simply translated peace, but it has a much greater, deeper definition than that, and it involves like completeness, soundness, wholeness with God, where we have peace, we have joy, we have harmony, and unconditional love with God. 
and its complete dependence on him, where we're looking, we're gaze fixed on him, arms open to him, that is shalom. So that, when God created the world and he created mankind, he created this shalom. And that was what we had all the time. It was good. That was life. So then, what happened? If this was God's original intention, was this utter shalom, then what happened? Because when I, when I look at the world today, when I look at it now, I do not see peace and joy and harmony all the time. I see, I see things like war and countries and nations. I see things like ISIS, and I see things like racial tension across our country and homelessness. And then in this community, I see things like brokenness and sickness and loneliness. And then in my own life, I see that same separation and I see selfish pride where I think I can do everything on my own. We all see it and we all know it. We can all feel it. That there's brokenness. There's this broken relationship versus this perfect relationship. So, if this is God's creation, us and Shalom, I'm going back to the quick timeline, Shalom, and then Adam and Eve. <laughs> and they were God's original creation, and they, God's original creation, decided to break relationship with God and choose their own way. They chose to be dependent on themselves. And so, I'm not going to focus on all the logistics of Adam and Eve, because that's a whole different talk, but it matters now in reference to where we're at today, where we experience this brokenness, this separation, we depend on ourselves. And when we make this decision to choose our own way, we have this free will to either choose God or to choose our own way. And when we're choosing our own way, we're saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need you. I can do it on my own. I can be dependent on me. In a broken world, in a broken world, dependence, I think our society sees dependence as a bad thing. It's like, if you're dependent on anyone or anything, that's not good. We're told to be independent, to go and do it, to be strong, to beat everybody else and get the best grades and get the best job. Be independent. That's broken world mentality. Because in shalom world over here, dependence is a good thing. And it's the perfect thing. Actually, it's the perfect thing. To be dependent on God is the good and perfect thing. And this dependence on herself to feel shalom manifests itself in so many ways. Um, I'm going to talk through some of those in a minute, but to start off, I'm going to talk about myself and the ways I try in this broken world to feel this without actually depending on God. And for me, it looks like control. And not necessarily like control of other people or managing other people's schedules, but really it's just absolute control of my own life. And if any of you, my roommates have probably seen it, my planner or my iCalendar is like color-coded to a T. I know what I'm doing all of the time. And I'm good at planning. And I, side note, I don't think that inherently is a bad thing. I think it's organized. But <laughs> I, I can pretty much plan for anything because I'm good at planning. I'm so good at planning that I don't need God for it at all. 
I can plan a day, I can plan a week, I can plan a month, I can plan a year of my life and not involve God for any of it. And what happens when I don't invite him in is that, if you can imagine my planner sitting here, he routinely just comes in and like, just like, <laughs> just shatters it. And when, when he does that, it, it shatters me. And it leaves me with anxiety and stress that is overwhelming. And that I'll sit there and a lot of my roommates and friends are here and they can attest to this of just, I'll sit there and just be crying because life isn't going the way that I planned. God came in and messed up my plan. Like, who does he think he is? There's a broken relationship there between me and God where I am fully dependent on me to figure out happiness and to figure out this shalom. I am fully dependent on myself and I do not trust God in it at all. And so that's my life. And I said, this looks different across the board. And for others, filling in this gap right here can look like it can look like addiction, it can look like lust, it can look like lying, it can look like cheating or anger. But in, in all of those things, there is an underlying reason why we sin. Whether what we're doing is visible and you can see it and it's like flashing lights or it's something that's way under the surface that no one knows about. The reason that we sin is our pride to get a feeling that we want and we want to get it on our own. And no doubt that the feeling is there because we keep going back to it. We keep, it's like a habitual thing because if you pay attention, it's also fleeting and it goes away, which is why we have to continue to come back to it again and again. The reason is we sin is our pride to try and fill this gap on our own. We depend on ourselves. And with those things that I just listed a second ago, um, you, might be, you might be sitting here thinking, but Brooke, I don't feel bad when I do those things. Like, it, feel, it feels good to be in control, so why is sin a bad thing? It feels good to lust, so why, why does that matter? What I'll say is that those things lead to broken relationship. Broken relationship with ourself, with others, and with God. Because when we're always depending on ourselves, it induces this stress, anxiety, and manipulation of others and ourselves that leads to broken relationships. And that's not the way we're intended to live. But going back to the story we read earlier, here's an interesting spin on all of it. So we read about the paralyzed man, but his paralysis was not his sin. There's a condition of his heart that Jesus speaks to immediately. The point being for us to take away in that is that the forgiveness of sins is something that becomes real to you as you believe it and not as you see it. The man in this story cannot see his forgiveness. He has had to believe it. And he could choose to believe Jesus and believe that this guilt was lifted and this shame was lifted and that he could experience peace and joy and this unconditional love or he could choose to not believe it and continue to live in that fearful state with this distance from God, that same distance. No human could heal his legs or forgive his sins. That takes God 
And that was Jesus's point, is that it takes him to forgive sins. He says, sure, it's easy to say that your sins are forgiven, but how are you really going to know? Because you can't see it. So he goes above and beyond to show to us by healing the man that when he says your sins are forgiven, they really are forgiven. The story speaks to this man's physical inabilities, but Jesus sees past what is showing on the outside and speaks to what's going on on the inside. He speaks directly to the condition of his heart. And it's so interesting because we don't know the condition of this man's sin. We don't know where he depends on himself, where he struggles, where he doesn't trust God. But we know that Jesus sees it. Jesus sees it immediately. So the question I have for you all is, do you think that Jesus knows your sin? No matter how you look on the outside, no matter what it is, Jesus sees right to it. Um, Romans 3.23 states that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all chosen our own way. We've all given the stiff arm to God and said, I can do it myself. I depend on me. I don't need you. But if we aren't choosing life with God, Scripture talks about how we're choosing death. And then James 1, 14 and 15 say that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Sin is when we choose death over life. We choose our own desires over those of God's. We choose to take control first letting him have control when we depend on ourselves first depending on him. You guys, the cross of Christ is the greatest news of all. It's the greatest news. The reason that the news is so good is because of what has been redeemed from before it. Jesus didn't just die, but he died for our sins and that right there is what we're honing in on tonight. And so hear me when I say, come back in the weeks to follow, listen to it online. There is more to the story. But how much greater is the good news of Jesus when we've had time to consider the cost of it, when we can recognize and name it to be able to know why it is that he came? So the question raised at the beginning was why Jesus came. And I'll say that he came to be with us in our sin, and to show us that he is exactly what we need. And he is the hope that we can look to. There's more to why Jesus came, why he became flesh and blood and moved into our lives. And there's a wonderful and beautiful love story being woven throughout this, and Jesus is where we should fix our eyes. Even though we've rejected God's goodness, he continues to offer unconditional love and wants to save us from this brokenness. John 3.16 in the message says that this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point 
an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. God came down in the person of Jesus to help us once again move from brokenness and death into wholeness and life. We need Jesus today. How can we return to this place of shalom? Because we can't do it on our own. And we first need to admit our sin and how we experience it and how we see it and how we contribute to it and our need for Jesus in this gap. For us, it requires denying the temptation to try and cross this gap on our own. We take our sin, our demand for control in our own way, and we confess it to God, receiving his forgiveness and his redemption. We move from depending on ourselves to depending on God. In more ways than one, the paralyzed man needed God. We can see that God forgave his sins, but then continued to physically heal him. So what that shows to us is that God goes above and beyond when he heals us. He continues to heal us and make us new. It isn't just a one-time thing. And for us, it isn't just a one-time thing, but it's this daily renewal of him moving us from brokenness to peace. Jesus will daily take us back to shalom. So if you didn't know, if you didn't know, our journey doesn't end here with us sitting in our sin. And thank goodness that it doesn't. Um, That's not the end of the story, but... How beautiful of a story when we can name the brokenness and sin that we see and we experience and when we can recognize and confess that we cannot do it on our own and that we need help. We need help. We all live messy and broken lives and we need the goodness of a Savior. And then how glorious is it to hear the name of Jesus and think about how much he loves us to come and cross that gap. To forgive our sins, to die for our sins, so that we could experience this shalom. Jesus came to be exactly what we need. I'm going to close us out tonight with a prayer. It's a prayer of recognizing our sin and how we contribute to this brokenness. Um, And then it'll be quiet for a little bit in the middle. Um... But then I'll end it before the band comes up. But I'll finish off by saying, or just reiterating, guys, we are here. We, our current reality is in this broken state, separate from God. And we don't always experience that peace and joy and harmony that we desire. And so to continue thinking about what are the things that you do to depend on yourself to try and get that? Where are you trying to fill this gap? Because we know, and especially in this season of Lent and preparing for Easter where we celebrate Jesus, I just think how how wonderful it is to remember him and what he's done for us to come and fill this gap, his death, so that we could live and live life to the full. So please pray with me. Lord, you are good and you are perfect, and you are holy. It's hard for us to imagine all of your goodness coming to earth in human form. Help us in our unbelief to believe you. And God, we see sin and brokenness all around us, and we see sin and brokenness in ourselves. So Lord, hear hear our prayers right now as we confess those things to you. 
We are absolutely hopeless on our own. We need you, Jesus. And I pray now that we would receive your forgiveness and redemption of our sins as we fix our eyes on you. Jesus, prepare our hearts in this season of Lent to recognize what you've done for us and to stir up our hearts to love you more. This is a hard word for us to hear, and it's hard for us to want to remember our sin. But Lord, be near to us as we remember. Hold us tenderly and be with every person in this room as we experience freedom and what you've done for us in the cross. Jesus, we love you so much, and we want to depend on you and not on ourselves. I thank you for what you've done for us to love us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.